Happy Monday, everybody. We are going to continue our deep dive player breakdowns for the offseason as the MLB postseason is in full swing. And today we're going to look at a, I don't want to call him controversial because there's certainly more controversial players out there, but somebody who's kind of on the fence for a lot of people and everybody seems to have a different opinion on. We're going to take a look at Tyler Alexander, what he brings to the team next year, if he's going to be around next year, what he did this past year. All of that. We're also going to look at some Scott Harris moves that are starting to be made all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, October 17th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. I don't know why I said Locked On Tigers so weird in the cold open. I said it okay just then and the time before that. I've already said it three times. But when I go today on Locked On Tigers, I took like a weird pause, and I don't know why. That made me like feel really weird about myself. Okay, uh, so today, happy Monday, everybody. We are – what a postseason, by the way. What a postseason. My uh, – where this is like not a real talking point, just is just me kind of rambling because I love the game of baseball so much. I think that this version of the postseason – while it might not be perfect, I think it is the best we have ever had. I think that this current format is the best format for a postseason that baseball has ever had. And I, I absolutely love it. I think it's great. Uh, I think that it's going incredibly well. I think this postseason has been electric. Um, I'm recording this on Sunday before Yankees Guardians. So I do not know the fate of that game yet, but. Uh, what what a what a bunch of series, man, and, and what a bunch of droughts ending. You know, San Diego getting playoff baseball for the first time, and with fans at least for the first time in over 15 years. Obviously, the Mariners getting basically two games with a, an 18 inning game. Uh, I don't know. I, I I've absolutely loved this postseason. I think it's only going to get better. NLCS of uh, Phillies Padres, I think, is going to be electric. Uh, two teams that have not had playoff baseball in a long time. Those atmospheres are going to be crazy. And then, you know, in the American League, Houston is just seems kind of like an unstoppable force. So we'll see uh, some some chinks in the armor, though, right? We saw, I mean, you know, scored one inning, one run in 18 innings rather in game three. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I just I think it's been a great postseason so far. During the postseason, we've been doing deep dive player breakdowns for the team because there's no news with the Tigers to talk about. However, today, that well, today's episode, over the weekend, we'll say there was some news to talk about, and I think it's just important to go over any news and notes that happened. We talked about the Drew Hutchison thing last week, how he's DFA'd and whatnot. So this one uh, caused... First and foremost, this caused way more conversation than it should have. And and I, and I don't want to downplay like the importance of every move because I, I genuinely do think every move has has value and is important. But this is like not some groundbreaking, oh my goodness. Like this is a depth catcher that 
if everything goes right, probably will not play a major league game next season, even if he makes the 40 man roster. And he he might not even make like this is a waiver claim during the postseason. When when free agency comes around, we could sign and, and get the the dudes that we want to get in free agency, and there might not be room for this dude in, in three weeks, right? Like this is uh, this is really not a uh catastrophic, like, oh, I, I really loved Ali Sanchez. Like, how could they have possibly moved him? I don't know. I, I thought that there was some some discourse on there about I don't know, just the uh the the, the magnitude, maybe. Um, I think it's just the fact that Scott Harris is making moves and that's just like gets people excited and, and everybody wants to analyze and, and whatnot. We will break down uh, the, the kind of, I guess, trade-off for lack of a better word that was made, but I just want to start with that is, is that there is still so much off season left, like save your, your, your big reservations for everything. Like Ali Sanchez, did he play a game for the Detroit Tigers this year? No, like, <laughs> right. And, and the, the, the guy that we brought in is a, would in theory fill the same role. So like this is this is cat depth catcher. Like this is not a this is not that that deep of a thing. There will be plenty of significantly more important moves that will be made. But Ali Sanchez has been let go. He will no longer be on the roster. Uh Sanchez was somebody that the Tigers picked up off of waivers from the Cardinals this summer. And, uh, again, as just, we saw all the injuries that were happening with catcher, we wanted to be prepared. They went out, they got, um, they got a depth, a depth piece at the catcher position. And that's who they chose. Uh, Sanchez, like I said, never played at the major league level for the Detroit Tigers. He had, I think he was up for like two games, three games in St. Louis at the, at the, what last year. I don't think he played major league baseball at all this year. So, um, yeah, just again, like a depth move. Sanchez is is a guy who doesn't walk too terribly much, but also doesn't strike out very much. Has hit for a decent average at certain times and at certain levels. Uh, played for the Mets for organization for a long time before he went over to the Cardinals organization. Is believed to be pretty middle of the road defensively. I, I would say is kind of the the report on him. I mean, he he was a fine, like I said, depth catcher. Uh, for for the Tigers this year, the second half of the season. Uh, so, you know, losing him, no really big, oh my goodness, I can't believe we lost Ali Sanchez type of move. Uh, we replaced him with Michael Papierski. I believe I am saying that last name correctly. If I'm not, you guys are really good about making sure that I pronounce everything correctly. So if I'm not, I'm sure somebody will, will get a hold of me. But um, that is the waiver claim that the Detroit Tigers made. Uh, so presumably that puts him on the 40-man roster and with the organization. But again, like who knows? <laughs> like this this is three weeks from now, we could we could go on a huge DFA spree and, and, and let go of a ton of people. We could sign, you know, 10 free agents and not have room for this dude anymore. Like this is, this is such a fluent part of the roster that, that who knows the, the, the longevity for any of these dudes, the thing with Papierski, I'm just going to keep saying it that way. And, and I, I think I'm right. Pap, puppy, Papierski. That's what it is. I found the phonetic pronunciation right here in front of me and I was ignoring it. Papierski, Michael Papierski. So the thing with Michael Papierski is that he walks a boatload and he has at every level. And I think that that's just the Scott Harris model. I think we're going to see that a lot. And 
when you're given two similar caliber of players, right? Ali Sanchez, Michael Papirski. I'm just going to say his name a ton now that I know how to say it. Um, they're they're a, only like a year apart in age. They're they're both in their mid twenties. They're pretty similar pedigrees defensively. Their offense, OPS wise, is like relatively similar. Uh, Papirski jumped around all over the place. He played for like three different AAA teams, two different major league teams. He played for like five different teams this season. So it's hard to keep track of of everything, but. Hitting wise, their their caliber of player, they're about the same. It's just that Papirski walks a boatload. His walk rate has been really solid at every level of the minors and pretty much everywhere he's been. And when I say really solid, I, I mean like actually really, really solid. Uh, you're talking about a dude. Let me find it here. It's in one of these 97 tabs I have open. Um, walk rate by team. So in 2017 in low single A, he had an 18.9% walk rate. That's unbelievable. In single A in 2018 in a full season, he had 17.3% walk rate. Very good. High single A in 2019, a 13.7% walk rate, really solid. 2021 in triple A in 103 games for Houston, a 15.6% walk rate and a 20.7% K rate. I, I think that that's all this move is. I think that this is just he was given the choice of two catchers that are pretty similar in, in talent level and in production. He's going to go with the guy that walks a lot more because we know that that's going to be his philosophy. I don't think that this is some like big brain. Oh my goodness. And again, Papirski might not be on this team in four weeks. <laughs> like, and, and Ali Sanchez certainly wasn't lasting through the off season. So anybody who's talking about like, Oh, this is a bad trade off or whatever. Like, you know, time will tell maybe, Maybe, maybe it was, maybe this is the wrong triple a catcher for this organization. But like at the end of the day, uh, I, I think that he's just going to lean towards the, the walk rate and then the command of the strike zone thing. And Papirski has done that at literally every level he has ever been at. He has had a really phenomenal, honestly, walk rate. So that's just what this comes down to. Even if the batting average and the slugging percentage aren't good, hate to break it to you. Ali Sanchez's weren't very good either. One of them walks a lot more than the other. I think that's all this comes down to. Okay, let's talk about Tyler Alexander. Get to the actual uh, bulk of the episode here. But first, I got to tell y'all about our friends over at Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own place. They protect you with cutting-edge technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Here's why I love it. Uh, really, the big thing is when it comes to the feed, and we kind of talked about this on uh, <laughs> Locked On Red Wings, actually, as well. Brian and I talked about it. The feed is, is, is so clear, and they can detect a threat right away. Their agents call you the second a threat is detected. They have somebody watching at all times, and they can tell the difference between a threatening situation and a non-threatening situation. They can tell the difference between all those things, and that's so vital. And I think that's the big reason and the big factor that really sets them apart from everybody else. Um, advanced sensors in every room, window, door, HD security cameras. Like I said, you're not getting super pixelated stuff. Inside your home, outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you, like I said, when a threat is real. 
You're not getting any fake like, oh, it just picked up a noise and now you think someone's breaking into your house when it's not. But you're also getting just solidified and good coverage as well. It really is all around just a great product. So customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan to get your first month for free. Visit simplysafe.com slash MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. Um, didn't really expect to take up, I, I guess, with the playoff talk, maybe that that uh, that filled up the rest of the first segment there. But yeah, we, we're starting to have some Scott Harris moves. And obviously, this is a daily show. So we want to talk about moves as they happen. Um, I, I, I'm fine with the move. If you, if you want to ask me, do you like it? Do you not? I, sure. I, I, I'm okay with Scott Harris bringing in his dudes. He has no emotional attachment to anybody on this team. He didn't bring in anybody on this team. If he doesn't like Sanchez and he really likes Papirski, then so be it. Let's see what happens. Right. Why, why not? At the end of the day, you're, you're not talking about, uh, uh, even if he's wrong, you're not talking about major league production walking away from the organization. You're talking about like a fourth string catcher organizationally. So uh, it's, it's, it's fine. Uh, like I said, he draws walks. And I think that that's going to be a reoccurring theme that we will keep an eye on as the season off season rather goes on. Let's talk about Tyler Alexander. Tyler Alexander has been with the Tigers organization for a few years now. 2019, he had a 486 ERA. 2020, he had a 396 ERA. 2021, he had a 381 ERA. And this year, his ERA uh, went back up to 481, the highest it had been since his rookie season. Um, he is arbitration eligible this year. So we will see if they do plan on keeping him. It will be through an ARB case or just like a settlement, but you know, in between what both sides wanted ARB wise, a lot of teams do that. Um, or they could non-tender him. And that's certainly something that we'll discuss as well. So the biggest thing with Tyler Alexander and, and last season, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you you are very aware that last season there was this weird discourse going around uh, the, the, the community that follows this show and follows the Detroit Tigers that I was some like Tyler Alexander hater just because I made a prominent stance that like Tyler Alexander should not be a solidified, like he is in your starting rotation going into opening day in 2022. That was a, a, the opinion I had last off season. I was fine with him coming back. I liked him in the role of spot starter slash long reliever, but I made it very well known that I did not want, that's why I liked the Michael Pineda signing. Now what, you know, Michael Pineda was no good, obviously, but um, that, that's why I was more so just an advocate for us bringing in a starter and it ended up being Michael Pineda, but uh, a starter last off season. Cause I, I didn't believe that Tyler Alexander was a dude that you just hand the ball off to once every five days and you call it good. I still think he has value to give organizations. And I, I still think that maybe it's this one. We'll talk about that as, as the episode goes on, but that's just, where I wanted to start because that's kind of where the arc of this show's discourse and Tyler Alexander really begins. 
this year was not a very good year for Tyler Alexander. He had a couple of starts. He had the one where he took a no-hitter into like the, what, the sixth, where he took it into the seventh maybe. But as a whole, this was not a very um, efficient, effective outing, outing, season for Tyler Alexander. He would end the year with a 4-11 and record. I don't really think pitching wins and losses mean anything these days. 4-8-1 ERA, like we said, 27 appearances, 17 starts. So he had had 17 starts and then 10 appearances out of the bullpen. Uh, that's 101 innings pitched. Unfortunately, that's some of the most on the team just because of the injury situation and how many uh, pitchers we had this year. He had a whip of 1.317. Uh, he had a hit per nine of 9.6, a home run per nine of 1.6, a walk per nine of 2.2, and a strikeout per nine of just 5.4, comfortably the worst in his career. His K per nine by season, just under eight in 2019, then 8.4 in 2020, 7.4 in 2021, 5.4 K per nine this year. We'll talk about some other swing and miss and strikeout stuff here in a second. But, um, I mean, the biggest thing, we've talked about it a lot, has just been the fact that he is not much of a swing and miss guy. Not much of a, uh, he's not going to get you a bunch of whiffs. He's not going to get you strikeouts as seen by this 5.4 K per nine is, is very low. Uh, and honestly, I think that went up at the end of the season. I think it was even lower at one point in September. So uh, just really kind of tells you the state of that hit per nine. I, I guess that's fine. Whip, ideally you would like to be a little bit lower, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to expect a sub one whip from, from Tyler Alexander, especially again, when he has to start almost 20 games. There's a couple of things to point out here. One, the FIP. FIP is a, a really interesting stat where there's a few stats that try to look at what pitchers can control and look at, you know, how hard are you getting hit? How often are you giving up contact? How often are you getting swings and misses? The type of contact you're giving up, the ballpark you play in, all that stuff. And try to say, like, what your ERA should be quote-unquote, should have been if uh, it, it was only – if the results of what was happening at the box were only things that you could control, which is giving up hard or soft contact, etc. So his 4.81 ERA, he had a – sorry, a 4.99 FIP. So his FIP was actually higher than his ERA, which would mean that that formula would tell you that he honestly probably should have been a little even worse than he ended up being. His expected ERA is a 5.42. Again, just a different formula trying to accomplish the same thing, much higher than 481. And his XFIP was 477. That one slightly, just ever so slightly lower than his ERA. So when you're looking at stats that try to, whether it's you want to use the terminology predict or or just what you could have should have expected from him, right? Like that's a big thing with pitch to contact pitchers. They go, well, if you look at, you know, the XFIP or the Sierra or whatnot, those stats will maybe give you a better idea of how good they are. His were just about the same. Some of them even worse than his ERA. So you're not looking at any like bad luck involved is really the point that I'm trying to highlight his F war on the season negative 0.1 and his baseball reference war was negative 0.3 so even a little bit worse look i 
I, I still think that that kind of long relief spot starter role is a very valuable role for, for any organization. And I think that Tyler Alexander will hang around major league baseball and it might even be with us still, who knows, but there are some very clear things that he needs to improve on if he wants to take that next level. And we'll get into those right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host. Host, that's the word, host, Scott Bentley. Appreciate each and every one of y'all. Um, okay, so let's talk about some more stats, areas of improvement, etc. for Tyler Alexander this year. Itchy nose again. Dang it. So, first and foremost, um, he does not walk very many players, which I really like about him. And that that's one of the reasons that I've kind of consistently been like, hey, like, you know, he, he can stick around in this specific role because he's not you as a batter are going to have to beat him. He is not going to beat himself. He's not going to be a dude that uh, goes up there and walks a ton and kind of shoots himself in the foot. He's always had pretty solid walk numbers last year, his walk percent, his walk rate percentile was in the 80th so one of the better walk rates in baseball and this year was in the 81st percentile so top 19 percent of pitchers when it came to walk rate that's pretty much the beginning and end unfortunately of the conversation of what he was some of the best in baseball in he gave up a lot of contact and there's a difference between, oh, he doesn't get very many swings and misses. He's not a big strikeout guy, but he gives up a lot of weak contact and or he gives up a lot of ground balls, maybe even if they're hard grounders. He, he's keeping the ball on the ground, etc. Um, Tyler Alexander pushed that to the extreme to the point where like you're heavily debating whether it's worth it or not. His ex. It, where do I even start? Let's start with whiff percentage. His whiff percentage was in the first percentile. 99% of pitchers that qualified this season had better had a better whiff rate than Tyler Alexander. He was in the bottom one percentile. Okay? So, again, not a dude that is capable of getting swings and misses. And that's why... Obviously, we talked about the strikeout numbers. And even when they were a little bit higher, you know, two more K per nine last year, ninth percentile in whiff percentage last year, 20th percentile in K percentage last year. This year, he was in the fourth percentile in K percentage. Not getting swings and misses, not striking people out. Fastball velocity, fourth percentile. And I think that is why I lean that right there is why I lean toward he will not be back next season. And I don't think it's a guarantee. And, I, and if he was back in the spring, I would be far from, like, surprised. Like, I, I'm not I'm not waking up every morning expecting to see, like, the Tyler Alexander is gone news. But if I had to pick one, I am slightly leaning toward he won't be back because he even his, like, fastest fastball is lower than league average fastball, Right? They have this beautiful chart on baseball savant that shows like the, the slowest fastball he recorded this year, the like the bell curve, right? The slowest fastball he recorded this year, the fastest fastball he recorded this year, and most of them fell in the middle. The league average four-seam fastball velocity, not four-seam, just fastball velocity 
is pretty much right at where his maximum, like only threw it two or three times fastball velocity was on the year. His average fastball velo was 90 miles an hour. In today's day and age, that that's just very slow. And I think having that much slower, fourth percentile, 96% of qualified pitchers had a faster fastball velocity, average fastball velocity than Tyler Alexander. And I think when you're pairing that with the fact that he does not get swings and misses and he does not strike people out. I think, again, when you're talking about dominating the strike zone, yes, he doesn't walk people. That's great. That's definitely a thing in his favor and the Scott Harris, like, glasses that, that we're trying to look through, right? But you, we, we talk so much about swing and miss percentage, right? That's like the, the big swing and miss and, and called strike percentage. We talk so much about that throughout the year. CSW percentage, right? Called strikes plus whiffs. And Tyler Alexander's were perpetually low. And and they were pretty considerably low as the season went on. And that was because when the ball was thrown in the strike zone, it was put in play. And some games, it worked out in his favor where you'd look around and go, oh my goodness, he has a no-hitter in the seventh inning right now. Like against, I think it was Baltimore. Uh, that that he pitched that game in but as a whole that's a very hard to sustain and well I, I guess that's the biggest point it's hard to sustain it's hard to replicate that and that's why he didn't replicate that and that's why he did struggle for most of his starts especially down the stretch there in the second half of the season there was a lot of not very good starts mixed in with those so I, I think that when you're talking about wanting to have somebody who can get you ahead in the count. You want pitchers that can get you ahead in the count, the, right? Scott Harris said in his introductory presser, oh, the we want the, to dominate the strike zone. The, the count and throwing a strike disproportionately affects the game at an extreme level. Tyler Alexander is not a dude that can really go out there and th- he will throw balls in the strike zone. So you can't say he doesn't throw strikes, but he's not going to get two strike or strikeout like counts. He's not going to get two, three strike counts because they're going to hit the ball. (laughs) And he had a decent chase rate, 52nd percentile in chase rate, better than half the league in getting batters to chase. So like he has the ability to go outside of the strike zone and, and maybe get somebody to chase, but he's still not getting whiffs on those. They're still, they're just doing soft contact right? Just like flicking the wrists and, and doing slow ground balls to second, maybe, or something like that. Um, the, the, like they're still not getting swings and misses. And, and that's really, again, like kind of not tip of the iceberg. It's not, you know, that dramatic, but there's still so much more like expected batting average, fourth percentile, expected slugging percentage, first percentile, Barrel percentage, fourth percentile. So not only were people making contact, they were barreling the ball up a lot. Average exit velocity, 39th percentile, getting hit pretty hard. Like, th- th- that's just what he is. And and like I said, he'll find a job, and it might even be with us. Again, I'm, I'm not saying this is a slam dunk, like he's definitely not going to be back next year. I want to really make that very clear. I think there is a legitimate possibility that he's back and and when it will do a kind of a percentage like we've been doing but i i am leaning toward him not coming back just for all those reasons yes he pounds the strike zone yes he throws strikes but they don't result in strikes in the actual count <laughs> those are very different things 
that, that we're discussing, right? So when looking at the future of pitcher um, for this team, we've talked a lot about the fact that we need to sign starting pitchers. That is blatantly obvious. This team, there is no way that this team goes throughout the entire offseason without bringing in more starters. It needs to happen. Tyler Alexander, I can pretty much assure you there's a 0% chance that we're rolling into spring training pitchers and catchers reporting with Tyler Alexander as like the fifth guy in the rotation. Like this dude will not be in the rotation next year if he is back next season. Now, that leaves him to the bullpen, which is a completely different conversation. You need dudes in the pen that can eat innings. You need somebody available at the major league roster to be able to provide spot starts. That's why I think he still holds pretty sizable value. I don't want to make it sound like he's one of the most valuable dudes on the entire staff or anything, but he holds value because of that versatility. And that will do him wonders, whether it's with the Detroit Tigers or in the open market, that will do him wonders for his value. And it will continue him getting jobs at, 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 like I said, I believe the major league level, he might get at, you know, at some point like minor league contract, but you get invited to camp and you make the team out of camp type thing. Like, I don't know, Willie Peralta like eventually started doing that. And, and like Drew Hutchinson had what the second most innings pitched on the team this year. And and he was a minor league deal. You know what I mean? Like he, he might end up being something like that, but as a whole, he'll continue finding work because of that versatility. And, and that is why this is, that's really the only thing that that's making this a somewhat difficult conversation to have as far as his future with the team. When you look at the bullpen, they obviously have the back end of the pen somewhat figured out. Now, the order of who appears in what situation is a completely different debate. But as far as seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning, you can even go to sixth inning, right? Like you have your one inning dudes in the back of the pen, Joe Jimenez, um, Alex Lang, Gregory Soto for the time being, Andrew Chafin, assuming he accepts his player his player option. You got like four or five legitimate one inning threats that you are comfortable with going in at the back end of the bullpen. And when you start talking about, okay, like who are the long relievers then? I think Alex Fiedo did enough in a somewhat similar role to what Tyler Alexander has been doing the last two years this year. And and now he's got the injury problems. Yes, absolutely true. I'm not saying that it's just going to be a one-for-one. One. Tyler Alexander is going to go and Fiedo is going to come up and he's just going to be exactly what Tyler Alexander was. But I think you saw enough out of enough different players. Garrett Hill, Alex Fiedo, Bo Brisky, the list goes on and on, right? I, thought, I think you saw enough out of those depth pitchers that – you can be relatively comfortable going, you know what? We can let afford to let Tyler Alexander go. One of these dudes can pitch long relief out of the pen. One of these dudes can spot start if we need him to be, you know, somebody else has proven that they can somewhat fill that role. Tyler Alexander had, and at the end of the day, he almost had a five ERA this year. So like the bar isn't exactly, uh, you know, sky high to be able to surpass and be like, oh, well, you know, being that versatility is tough. And like, admittedly it is, I'm not trying to say that it's not, but hit a four, eight, one ERA this year. And the ball was in play pretty much every at bat. 
It's not it's not the world to ask, you know, Garrett Hill, Alex Fayeto, Bo Brisky to accomplish that next season. It's not some astronomical, only Tyler Alexander can accomplish this type of role. Hope that hope that came across the way I want. Hope that made sense. Um Okay, so letter grade for Tyler Alexander. I want to do these at the beginning, and I just keep forgetting. Tyler Alexander, letter grade. We will go um, – I want to do like a like 70%. I want to do like right in the bubble there. I want to do like, like the lowest possible C- minus, or like the best possible D+. Plus. I think that's right in that range there. Again, like that, that versatility is important. So that's obviously carrying a lot of the weight there. And, and, and he had some good starts and he provided innings that we desperately needed. So I guess I'll go C minus, but it's not, you know, there's a difference between providing innings and providing really good innings. Th- those are two very different things. And he accomplished one of those two things. So, so um, whatever comes forward with Tyler Alexander, whatever happens to, to him with this organization going forward, it is without a doubt has been, uh, he has been valuable to this team over the last three years. Like he has that that's objectively true. He's, he's provided this team uh, again with innings and this year, not his best season. Last year was pretty darn good. Sub four ERA in the same role had to take on a lot of the starting role because of injuries and, and, and whatnot. He has been valuable. He has worked on his craft. He has, um, you know, I, it, respect, respect to Tyler Alexander. That's a dude that he's very clearly a dog. He's a competitor. I, I like him as a dude, as a person. I like him a lot. I'll be rooting for him wherever he goes. Um, but you know, we, we got to separate artists from art and, uh, there's, there's some, I, I just, I don't think that he's a very high priority going into this off season. That's all. So I'm going to put it at a, Ooh, like, uh, how about this? How, this is going to get crazy right now. A 4.25. Okay. I I think a four is a little too low, but maybe I'm okay with a four. Yeah, I'll go with a four. I changed my mind. I was going to get really crazy and do like a 42 and a half percent. And really drive home the significance of that half percent. But now I, I just want to go with 40 and be boring. We're going to go with a 40%. A 4 out of 10. 40% chance that he is on the team next year. 60% chance that he is not. Like I said, would not be the most shocking thing in the world. I'm not running around going, oh my goodness, how could this happen? I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely stunned that Scott Harris is keeping Tyler Alexander. But uh, I am certainly... I wouldn't say expecting it again, not that confident, only a four out of 10, but I, uh, I am, I don't even word this, not, not going under the assumption of, but I am leaning. I'm just leaning that way. If you, if you ask me to predict right now, obviously that's what I'm going with. So thank you for making lockdown tigers. Your first listen every single day. Now make your next listen, the lockdown MLB podcast, MLB expert, Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league wide podcast, lockdown MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Um, I think that's all I got. I think that's all I got. Yo. Um, yeah. Talked about the, some Scott Harris moves, catcher position, exciting stuff, man. I, again, I don't want to downplay, 
how cool it is to talk about like actual moves. And I don't want to downplay any move period because if you're going to be on the 40 man, you got to hold value. Um, so, so if you are looking around going, this is a dumb move. I really like Sanchez. This is, this is stupid, whatever that, Hey, that that's, that's your right. I, I just, uh, I think again, when you're looking at two dudes that are pretty much the same production, but one of them walks a lot more than the other, that's going to be like a, like a deciding factor type of thing. So I think that's probably just why he went the direction he did. We'll see if he even makes it through the off season. Uh, talked about Tyler Alexander. Yeah, that's all I got. We'll be back tomorrow talking about if anything organizationally does happen on Monday. We'll be talking about, about that, but I would presume not. Um, so we'll be breaking down somebody else. I realized going in, I was like, oh, who am I going to do today? Like, who am I going to do the player breakdown? I realized that I hadn't even done a pitcher yet. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's kind of a big mistake on my part. So I apologize for waiting so long to do a full breakdown on a pitcher, but um, yeah, there you go. Peace and love going to therapy's dope. Appreciate each and every one of y'all immensely. And yeah, go Tigers, baby.